Welcome back, or welcome if it's your first time listening. This is the Level Up Grappling Podcast. I'm your host, Ed, along with my co-host, Coach Brian. We are the official podcast of PCI Jiu-Jitsu in Mission Viejo, California. So if you'd love to come down and train with us, you the doors are open. The invitation is there. All you have to do is walk through the door. <laughs> if you dare. <laughs> if you dare. So... Oh man, we've had we've had a couple of awesome guests uh, come on recently, and um, training's been good um, up until a, a small incident, which we will get into. Uh, however, and what we're going to be talking about for this episode, uh, Coach, I think is injuries, yes. right? I know that injuries. when we had Eric on the show, Eric so, talked about his injury with his foot. Um, you know, is, I have I talked about previously. It will always plague us. When we're on the mat, this is full contact. Yeah. Yeah. And so when I was competing, I had a back injury and all this. And here we go. I have a new one. <laughs> uh, you missed your glass. Even though you're a big guy, I think you're made out of like some type of blown glass or something. It seems like yeah. it, right? Um, I So I'll give you the story. Um, so actually, I'll rewind a little bit. This episode is going to be about injuries preventing them what kinds of injuries you guys might be uh, suffering from or can <laughs> look forward to yes. when grappling um and how that affects the way that we train and how that and how we should be aware of it so i'll give you my story um and you know who you are as to this incident i'm not going to name any names for as raw as we are <laughs> Um, I just want you to know if you're listening, seriously, man, you are not, I am not upset. I'm not blaming you for anything. This is what we sign up for. This is, this is a part of the game. So if you need forgiveness, you are hereby forgiven though. You don't, I don't think that needs to be a, an issue. So please, if you're still feeling bad about this injury, like I said, we'll take it out on the mat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with all that mystery going on, basically what happened was a couple a couple classes ago, I was in class and we one of our PCI guys and I, we were kind of we've been drilling for quite throughout the entire class and probably about the last what 20 minutes, half hour or so. Um we started to just kind of wrestle around, uh started grappling with each other, sparring well, per yo, se. Let, let me clarify and, that. Because I don't let people do random stuff, right? I have it organized. Okay, yeah. So when we go into certain <laughs> live portions, we were doing live stand-up rounds. So what we're doing is we're doing mm -hmm. live takedowns. So while I may be doing one particular drill, a particular takedown drill in the beginning of class, the end of class, I towards the end of class, I allow the students to have a little bit more freedom and creativity in terms of how they're putting their takedowns together but the entry in terms of how they're entering the takedown it has to be what we've been working on and then they can express themselves individually on the finish so now i'll let you continue from there so i don't want to sound like i'm the okay. irresponsible so, coach and just let you guys run around no you're not no you're not you're not and uh, yeah i probably should have prefaced it in that you know we had we were working on a we had worked on a takedown that evening, um, basically the takedown of the month, and then we worked on two of the half guard positions, right? And so the goal was we're more or less live 
drilling, but it's just, it's not even dynamic, right? So we have static drilling where you're just going through the motions, you're understanding the technique. And then we've got the dynamic where there's a little bit of resistance and just a little bit more flow to it. And then what I would say is, yeah, live yeah. wrestling or live grappling in the sense that the the goal is for you to get to that and work on that position. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But if it does, then the opportunity is there. Practice it. That's where you're supposed to do it. Now, um, I'm going to call my fellow teammate, my fellow PCI teammate. We'll just call him. We'll just call him Mr. D. So Mr. D and I, that sounds so inappropriate, but <laughs> Mr. D and I are fooling around. This is not going to go down the right pathway, but anyway, yeah, we're fooling around or in sense we're rolling around there, uh, this is not going down. Um, we're sparring <laughs> and I, there were, there were a lot of, he was doing really good with his stand up defense against me. Um, and then he fell into the same similar traps that I would do, which is leaning forward, um, not having a proper stance, not having the hips tucked in, the jaws not parallel to the floor, things of that sort. And so when his head would come in, I would, I, since he's around my height, I actually tried to do the pinch headlocks that we were training for in the yeah. competition. But he was dodging out of them fairly quickly, and I was like, okay, we're gonna again, we're this is live, and so I'm I'm going with it. I'm not trying to. If there's anything that I did learn throughout, uh prepping for the competition and being in the competition is not to try to force anything you have you know you're you're it's almost like yeah you can respond to things you can be proactive in the sense of baiting depending on what your tactics and uh, your tactics are and what your strategy might have been so I'm, I'm kind of going you know going along with what's going on and there were several times where he put his i noticed that his weight was coming forward head was forward and i snap down and put him in a headlock and you know i probably caught him four or five times that way and again he he's fairly new and this is kind of where the accident happened is that at a certain point i said you know what it's call me a softy but i was like hey i i want him to be able to also try a few things on me so i said i'm going to back off a little bit be just defensive won't be as a offensive let him kind of work on some of these techniques. And so Mr. D um, is, you know, we're, again, we're, we're being defensive, trying to get um, collar ties, trying to grab Riz. We're playing the hand fight and all this and that. And at one point, you know, again, I let him take an underhook and he had to fight for it. So he, he, he got it. And last I remember from there, it was kind of, I don't know, you, you were standing on the side watching this and the way that I felt, it was almost like he was trying, it's not quite a suplex, but it was just more like a kind of a sideways backwards takedown sort of deal. Um, and I think he probably caught my leg to do that. Um, but my injury is that my hand got placed under his hip basically as we were going down or at impact. And his entire weight slammed onto my hand. I heard a pop sound, and I'm there. I am hunched over, like <laughs> I was always squealing like a pig throughout that entire class. Anyway, and the funny part is, if you guys listen to the previous episode with Coach Juan with the Mission Vio wrestling team, Coach, um, <laughs> it was it was back to school night, <laughs> so there were parents in there and all this and that, and here I am squealing because Coach would demonstrate something. I'm like. Ugh! <laughs> <laughs> the whole, all night long, all throughout the class. 
And then this one, I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, ah, uh, you know, if you, anybody who watches a uh, family guy, you guys know that infamous scene where Peter Griffin hits his shin, just sits there going ah, for like 10 minutes. And so that's basically yeah. me. Now, aftermath is that I come home, you know, and I'm thinking, I, I honestly thought I just sprained it. And coach will tell you, he just got the flurry of text messages throughout the next couple of days. I, it swole up like a softball, you know, and all this and that. So, and I thought I just had, I, that I had sprained it because the thumb was still moving, move, moving around. I still had some mobility. Yeah. It was super puffy. It was, there was pain. And so I was like, Oh, I just sprained it. No big deal. Well, I go to church on Sunday and my primary doctor also goes to my church. He comes over to shake my hand and I was like, Oh, sorry. Put my hand up. He's like, what did you do? And he starts feeling around and he's like, does it hurt? Does it hurt? I was like, no, no, no. He's like, can you move? Anyway, he does his examination there on the spot in front of Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, he, uh, you know, I cannot tell a lie here anyway. So he goes, dude, you broke your hand. I was like, no, I didn't. I did not break my hand. I, there's no way. I was like, it's just, it's just a sprain. Look, he goes, no, you broke your hand. Go get an x-ray, right? I was like, dude, I sprained it. He goes, go get an x-ray. So anyway, after church, go to the urgent care, get an x-ray. They come back. Yeah, what they see are two fractures yeah, on the meta metacarpal. So... If you guys look at your thumb, uh, there's that big knuckle, the basically the bone bottom towards that that connects to the wrist. That's the bone where I fractured it. Now, so they're like, "Oh, hey, you got to go see an orthopedic surgeon. Um, you need to make sure that you know see if there's anything else that needs to be done." So they put me in a splint. So the next day they got me in because they're like, "Oh, we're gonna we need to get this done fast. We're gonna put a you know whatever high priority thing on your account, whatever it is, show up." orthopedic surgeon comes in and goes, you actually have three fractures. Ooh. You got two main ones and you got, you got one leaning towards the wrist and he goes, I don't see any damage on the wrist. Thank God. But, um, we'll see what happens there. And he goes, he goes, you have two choices. You can let it heal on its own, but you're basically going to develop immediate arthritis and you're going to have a stiff hand for the rest of your life. Or, what we really need to do is actually the way that you broke it because it's closer to the base. We need to put traction on your thumb, but we can't put traction normally and let it heal naturally. So the only way we can do it is we have to do surgery. So as of today, as of this recording, I am going into surgery literally 24, basically 24 hours from now. (laughs) And, um, and so as the funny, the crazier part is, I get a call from the anesthesiologist people yesterday and I'm giving my entire medical history. I got to give my family's medical. They're even asking me about to my brother and everything else. And I asked them, I said, I thought you guys, I, if I, unless I misheard, I, I thought this was like going to be where they're just going to do this local thing and just completely numb out the hand. And they're like, no, you're going under. And I was like, they're like, we're going to, it's intro. It's an IV and you're going to fall asleep. And so I jokingly said, does this mean I'm going to end up viral when I start to wake up? I'm going to start saying all those weird, funny things I probably don't want to say in public. <laughs> and so 
the lady's laughing on the line and she's like, no, you should be fine. Don't worry about it. Um, it's, it should be a fairly quick surgery. So yeah, I'm getting pins put in and they said he doctor said, I probably will have them in for roughly about a month or so. And then they're going to pull them out and then it's going to let, they're going to let it heal the, the rest of the way. Um, so we'll see, but anyway, injuries, right? So now here I am herniated disc. I got sciatica because my glutes aren't firing correctly. And now I have a broken thumb. So fun times, but I know I shouldn't complain. If we were to play the game of comparisons, I can't complain because I know coach <laughs> coach has it way worse than I do. <laughs> I'm sure there are many of you out there who have it way worse than I do. And for those who have don't have these types of injuries, take care of yourselves, take care of your body, stretch every day, stay hydrated, um, work out, work out all kind of your core, do, do weightlifting. I think that's going to be one of the best ways to help prevent injuries and maintaining a level of mobility. So work on the stretches. I mean, now I'm having to, you know, I do a lot of stretching and I have to do a lot of stretching every morning and throughout the day, um, because of my back injury, trying to decompress it. I've got an inversion table at home that, you know, I pretty much use three to four, maybe if not more times a day to take that pressure off the herniated disc to help heal that. Um, a lot of hip and core, uh, a lot of hip mobility stuff for me because of my back. And with that herniated disc and back injury, again, your body, what I started to notice is your body will compensate for where you have pain, because why we don't want to be in pain. And so, for example, if you have low back pain from a herniated disc or something going on with the low back, your body is going to eventually through, you know, depending on how quickly or how slowly will accommodate or in a sense will compensate for the pain. So in order that you avoid the pain, it might, again, in my case, my glutes go dead, basically can't activate them. And certain muscles, especially, you know, my adductors, um, my glute, my, I think it's called the piriformis, those types of muscles behave in a very different way because they're trying to compensate to avoid the pain or your body. Cause like, yeah, at first when I hurt my back sitting here, I was, just, it would be killer. And so my body compensates for it. And by the time I'm able to move again, now I've got glute issues, maintaining low back issues. So I have to do a lot of mobility and a lot of strength training at the same time. For me, in the sense of my recovery, I do a ton of mobility stuff. And then I do all body weight com- kind of calisthenic stuff for to kind of just get everything back. I don't know. I don't think I'm strong enough at this point to handle a, a an effective, uh, not effective, like the amount of weight that I want to be doing. So if I were to go up on a squat rack... You know, I forgot the last time I squatted. I think it was like a little bit over 200. Like I wouldn't be able to squat that now just because a lot of these supporting muscles have become extremely weak. Um, And the same thing happens. And the way that that affects grappling for me, and coach, I'm going to ask you for your insight on this or your experience. But the way that that impacts grappling for me is that there are certain takedowns or certain moves that I cannot perform properly because I no longer have the appropriate amount of muscle control to do that. I remember you were trying to teach me this one takedown and I just couldn't like, I, I would 
squat down halfway and then my I would just have to give up in order to to get down to the ground. I wouldn't be able to do the takedown in a controlled manner all the way to the ground from standing to ground. It was more or less like I'd come down maybe 30, 40% of the way. And it's almost like I just had to give up the effort and just let my body fall to finish it. And then I started getting frustrated because it was like, I'm losing control. I don't have a sense of control. And what good is that going to do in an actual situation or in, in a competition where it's like, you want to be performing your best. Um, And so continuing to do mobility exercises and body weight strength training to just kind of get a baseline restarted again, per se. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at again. So the story is, yeah, all that for a broken thumb. And, you know, (laughs) here's the, I wouldn't say the worst part about it because I know you're in pain and it's going to, it shouldn't really keep you off the mat because once you have the surgery, if they hopefully they put you in a cast or something, you can do plenty of stuff one handed. So John Jock Machado can do it. You can do it. So there's zero excuse for you not to be on the mat. I don't care broken hand or not. So all right, all right, we're not right. going to get into that. Cause trust me, I'll drive over to your house and pull you up by your ear and get you to the mat. Um, you know, the, to me, the worst part about all this. Yes, I know your hand hurts and it's it's a shitty entry. But who wanted to come on the podcast the day of your surgery? Oh, the war master, Senor Josh Barnett. (laughs) So me and Barnett (laughs) been messaging back and forth for the longest time trying to get organized to get him on, right? I'm telling you guys, you have no idea how hard it is. It's like herding cats with these people. You know, for me to get Chris Howder on, it's taken us six months, okay? Barnett, same thing. And these guys are busy, and they sh- they have every right to be busy, and God bless them for being successful and having their, their calendars full. So trying to organize, and then he hits me up the other day, hey, I'm ready to go Friday. I'm like, all right, perfect. And then I text Ed, I go, Barnett's ready for Friday. He's like, I'm having my surgery Friday. Please. Yeah. I'm having my surgery Friday. I'm like, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> Delay it by a couple hours. But, but I will say this, guys, to Coach Brian's, um, to, to speak to his character, I told him, dude, just do the interview no. solo. Like, I'll take the, I have to take the episode no. off. But he's like, no, we're in this together. We're a team. Not we got to do it that. together. So, the fact that he sacrificed one of what I would consider probably one of our biggest interviews that we were, we've been trying to get yeah. done all failed because I got this injury <laughs> and the bills are racking up again. I mean, I even told you how much the yeah, surgery is costing. And then, and the fact that it's the surgery is on Friday, and that's the only day that Josh Barnett could. But could you imagine though how funny it would be if if I brought the microphone, the podcast <laughs> set up to the hospital? I'm coming up. Uh, yeah, yeah, Josh. I mean, uh, could awesome. you imagine? I mean, and, then, oh, and then the worst geez. part, I'm like, I'm like, dude, can you do it on Thursday? Nope. That's the response I get. Nope. <laughs> like, what about next week? I'm going to be in Abu Dhabi. I'm like, all right, we'll circle around when you back in town. <sighs> So it's not easy, guys. You have no idea. This is a challenge. Well, I will say this. I will also say this is that um, when I was at the urgent care, 
getting my x-rays done, everyone's always going, so what happened? What happened? What happened? And so I tell the nurse, like, hey, you know, that I was, and I was doing catch wrestling and this and this and that. And he goes, oh, catch wrestling. He goes, man, I don't, I don't, not a lot of people do. I was like, you know about it? He goes, yeah. I mean, the only person I know of is Josh Barnett, but <laughs> and he's talking about it. And hey, by the way, I, I apologize because I can't remember your name. I should probably find the paperwork. But uh, you know who you are if I, by saying this is that you were the nurse that was helping me out uh, when I came in on that Sunday getting the x-rays talk and he he actually subscribed to the show so thanks oh, for doing come that down and train and uh, if you're listening to this <laughs> yeah so but it was, it was awesome to somebody it's kind of like you know it kind of speaks to that catch wrestling's people are starting to hear about it a little bit more um especially in the grappling community and um yeah that was that was pretty awesome so we we have one more subscriber who subscribed right in front of me in in the exam room so but anyway, I'll have to find his name. We'll mention it in the next podcast episode. But yeah, uh, I ruined that one with Josh Barnett. That that is painful. It is. It's okay. So so <laughs> getting this whole thing with injuries. So it was really a freak thing. What happened to Ed? Because I was standing right there, and the other guy who he was wrestling with didn't do anything wrong technically. What happened was, here's the thing that I need you guys all to remember. When the, let me put it like this. Injuries are going to happen when we're doing full contact martial arts, right? Like this, like grappling. doesn't matter, judo, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, whatever. I'm just using, okay, grappling arts, striking arts. When you're going any type of full contact, there's going to be injuries. It's expected, okay? You can minimize the injuries by making sure you're protecting yourself, even if you're working on the defensive end of things. So here's, here's something that happens um, quite a bit. We go and we're training with a, a partner. Maybe they're less skilled. If somebody's less skilled in, than you, you have to protect yourself more because this is when accidents happen because they don't have control over their bodies. <clears throat> I'm not a fan of trade. It's just like when, when you're like a black belt, we're the guys, just so you guys know, we're always avoiding the white belts because we don't want to get hurt. So we're like, oh, God, white belt, run. Because we're not thinking, oh, I can just mop the floor with this white belt, whatever. It has nothing to do with that. It's just like, I don't want to get hurt. I, I, you know, and so you have to be mindful if somebody has less, you know, lesser technique doesn't mean don't train with them, but you have to be mindful of how you are interacting with them defensively. This is uh, critical. So like, for example, you're training takedowns or you're, you're doing something, protect yourself while they're in the move. So this is why it's so critical that when you're training takedowns that you have experience and background in how to fall, how to place your hands on the mat, right? How to slap the mat how to absorb the impact because the impact is real. Um, I've broken my ribs seven times training. And here's the psycho that I am. I've really never taken any time off when I've had broken ribs. It hurt like hell. I minimized what I was doing, but I didn't like take time off where I was just like, okay, I'll see you guys in a couple of months. Okay, the worst part of it was like the first day or two. I just dope myself up and a whole bunch of Tylenol and Advil and then 
I was back on the mat and I'm like, Hey, be careful. My ribs are broken. And then I would just do stuff where it would minimize pain, broken wrist, same thing, broken foot, same thing. So, you know, I'm in a position physically where it's just like, okay, I have three herniated discs in my neck. So we already know I've brought this up on episodes before doctor says my neck is retired. So what does that mean for me? I have to be very careful with who grabs my neck. I don't, I don't allow not a lot of neck play on me. You know, if somebody wants to practice and drill stuff on me, okay, get the position, set it up and then let it go. It's catch and release with me. Don't be pulling on my neck because I don't want to end up in the hospital. I don't want surgery and I don't want to be like, you know, quadriplegic or anything. Okay. So those discs that I have in my neck, they're kissing nerves and I have bone spurs where my neck is literally fusing itself together. And it's also the same thing in my mid back. So, you know, I've put my hours of abuse in on my body. So I have, I personally have to be, I personally have to be really careful. So it's a certain state of mindfulness that we need to be in to protect ourselves when we are training with others, especially live. <coughs> now, it's not going to be perfect. You could think you're pr- protecting yourself and then all of a sudden you have somebody that totally spazzes out and you're doing one move. You think, okay, you're doing this one position. Everything's good. You're protecting yourself the right way. They find a way to hurt you somewhere else. I've had my nose almost broken by people just because they start spazzing because they're not putting their hands in the right position that I've told them. You know, I, I've had serious injuries happen to me. I've been almost knocked out a few times from grappling just literally because again, people get overexcited. Okay. And it's not to blame them or to put them down. It's that we need to be aware. How can you guide somebody, guide your training partners? Hey, that hurt a little bit. Can you go easier on me? Make sure you are telling them about injuries before you roll, before you train. Hey, my neck is hurting me today. My shoulders are really bad. Can you please be careful on this shoulder here and tell them, Hey, you know what? This is what's going on with my body. So if you get into this position, I'm going to be tapping early. I have a rule tap early and tap often. So if you're in a position you don't like, I don't want you necessarily struggling to get out of it. I want you to tap and start over. Why? People will be like, well, you're not going to learn how to get out of the position. Okay, here's my answer to that, genius. What put you in the position to begin with? You messed up a long time before. Okay? The two people that emphasize that for me in my training, well, three, actually, Chris Howder, my mentor, right? Billy Robinson and Kurt Osiander. Kurt Osiander used to say, if you're stuck there, you fucked up a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) So how much time do you really want to spend in a really, really bad position trying to fight out of it when, and I mean, it's good for endurance practice, yes, But if it's going to cause you injury, stop, start over and go back to the source of where you got stuck into that position, right? This is what's going to minimize the injuries. And if you have somebody that's just going, everybody says, okay, we're not going 100%, not going 100%. And then they ramp up with their intensity. Okay, needs to calm down. I have that happen to me. I have students or people trying to train with me and I'm just going, I'm chilling. I'm going real light. I'm not doing anything intense. 
But what happens is, is they mistake my technicality for intensity. So I may be going like 10%, 20% of my strength or intensity, but I'm being 100% technical. And so what happens is, is it catches them in bad positions. And so when they get caught in a bad position, you know what they do? They freaking spaz out on me. Next thing you know, I'm getting slapped mm-hmm. in the face. Like, you know, like a freaking thief trying to rob an old lady on a New York City street at night, right? I'm getting fucking smacked in the face like a, with a purse. It's like a boom, I get slapped in the head. Or I get poked in the eyes or shoved in the nose. I'm like, dude, chill. You know, they, they don't mistake technical ability for, quote, physical intensity. Okay. This is where we run into problems. Be technical, but be gentle in your technicality. Don't be physically intense to where you're going to hurt yourself or hurt your partner. And I'm not talking about, oh, don't submit because, you know, purpose of a lot of what we do at PCI is we're creating pain in every position. Great. Create the pain. But don't be reckless with the pain. When I'm creating pain on somebody, it's very, very precise. Like if I shin ride you, you know, okay, shit, this is, uh, it's, it's not fun, right? It doesn't feel good, but it's like for that moment. And a lot of times, even with my rides, it's catch and release. I ride just to show you where you're wrong. And then I let it go. I don't keep it. Mm-hmm. They're just nudging you. It's like a cattle prod, right? I just got to move that, move you down the field a little bit. I'm like, no, nope, you're doing it wrong. Uh, <laughs> so we have to be careful. Don't spaz offensively. Don't spaz defensively. Protect yourself and protect your partner. We have to be mindful of this because it is dangerous. What we're doing is dangerous. We are playing kill. You know, our boy Eric broke his foot, went and competed anyways, got worse, and now he's in the boot, but he's going. He's showing up. He was training. You know, he listened to what I told him. He came to class anyways did all that stuff. We're going to have to do the same thing with Ed. I don't care pins in the hand or not. There's no reason why he can't be on the mat. It's a, it's a injury Mm -hmm. of inconvenience. Yes. Did it hurt? Absolutely. Is it expensive? Yep. But does that mean he cannot be on the mat? (laughs) No, it does not mean he can't be on the mat. Of course he can be on the mat. He's just got to protect himself. That's it. There's plenty that you can do, right? And how do we learn? We got to learn with our, our calisthenics, our basic strength training. Are you using weights? Weight training is a great way to balance. And I'm not saying go in there, lift heavy, you know, and juice up and all this stuff. Uh-uh, I'm not talking about that. Basic weight training. You know, I do full body exercises every day. Why? Because I'm using my body every day as a full body workout when I'm grappling and when I'm teaching. So I have to have that completeness daily. I can't be incomplete. I'm not going into, I'm going to do back and buys today. And then tomorrow I'm going to do shoulders and leg. I can't do that. Cause number one, I'm not training like a bodybuilder builder. I'm training for functional fitness. And so because I'm training for functional fitness, I have to be very mindful of how I'm connecting the body together. Okay. Very, very important. And I'm always looking to protect myself. We'll go back to it, you know, 
Chris Howder says, think street. When I'm training with students, when I'm training with people I don't know, I'm always thinking street. I'm thinking like, where can they accidentally knee me? <laughs> where can they accidentally hit me in the face? I'm always thinking that way. So I'm protecting mm-hmm. myself. You know what I mean? I make sure, like if I know somebody's taking my, me down, my my I am ready to protect myself. My judo kicks in and I'm slapping that mat so hard. I don't give a shit. You know, fine. I'll con- I don't. I don't mind conceding the takedown because my safety is important. So I put myself physically mm-hmm. in the right position for that. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, and it's. I think. I think what you're talking about, especially in when it comes to what happens during class and with your training partners, is so crucial. Um. One of the things you're right, I, I see a lot where I, you know, I've, I've done it myself and I've experienced it myself where you do have people who start to spaz out. And I think for those of you guys who don't really understand, it doesn't mean that they start twitching and they just start throwing things yeah. left and right. It's more or less that they become less aware of a specific position of where their body parts are at. And as they're making a movement, it's just one of the things like as if, you can almost think of it as like an accidental spinning back yeah. fist. They're trying to spin around. They're trying to do something, but they're trying to do it so fast or, or so again with super high intensity because they feel that that is necessary that their elbows just swings around. They forget where they're positioned and it just so happens that, you know, the elbow is in the path of yeah. the head or you know whatever it is or the fist is in the, the hand is in the path of mm-hmm. the nose and it's kind of one of those things where it's like it, it there's a level of ego i think that also needs to be in check because it's it's kind of like oh you slapped me no and then the person says no your head was just in the way of my hand right? <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> i think there's a level of ego that and, and pride that we all need to just make sure that we're in check because i think you know, to your point, coach, it's right. We're protect. We need to protect ourselves as much as we do protect our training partners. I mean, how many people have you, I mean, especially you with your experience, but even with my minimal amount of experience, the number of people that have been injured while they are in preparation for a competition or a fight or something of that, of that nature. And now they can't participate because they were injured during training because their partner was not looking out for them. So I even think, what was it when we had Steve Silvers on, he was telling us like he, he had, he had, he had a job interview <laughs> coming up and he said, Hey, I do please watch yeah. the face. I have he a job and the guy clocked yeah, him or something of that. So, yeah. Well. Yeah. Like, or even, you know, when, when I was training in, in MMA um, in my early jujitsu days, you know, my fight coach at the time, he was, he was going for, he was in the camo league and I think he was just transitioning into, uh, he was trying to transition to king of the cage at the time. And so I remember we, we all got excited. We're ready to go watch his fight, support him and all this. And then all of a sudden, like three days before it, he's like, yeah, I had to pull out because I told my training partner, whoever was in that class, like, dude, I have a fight coming up. We're, let's just, we're just tapping. We're not, you know, we're just tap sparring. We're not, we're touch and go. We're not doing anything crazy. And the guy started to go aggressive and like broke one of his ribs and now he can't compete, mm. you know, and he can't fight in the cage. It's That's like horrible. we do have, you know, it's great that people want to 
be good at what they do and be known for being good at it. But at the same time, it's just because of that pride, you may be taking something away from somebody else. Um, and you know, same thing, like in my case with my, with my injury, you know, the back thing is just me being overweight and something just sitting too long. In my opinion, I, my, my muscles just became weak, but with my hand injury, it's, you know, I, I started to just kind of think through, you know, where was my mistake? You know, how did my hand even end up there? Um, is this something, is there anything else that I could have done? Is there anything that my partner could have done? You know, I know that it was, it was not his intention to hurt me in that way. I mean, he was very remorseful immediately. I mean, immediately. And that's why, you know, I was joking with, I was like, dude, if you keep, you're going to make me upset if you're going to continue to feel sorry for about this situation. Like you've already apologized. We're done. We're good. You know, it's a part of the game. Um, and that's why I said jokingly in the, in a sense, in the beginning of this episode, I said, yeah, dude, you're forgiven if that's what you need. But, <laughs> um, it's just even thinking through this, but yeah, if you guys were to think about in the sense of the financial sense, the practical sense, like, I'll give you guys the number. I'll just be open about it. The numbers for this surgery is insane, right? So before all of, you know, insurance and everything, this, this procedure is going to cost about $15,000, you know, now thank God I've got insurance and all this and that. So that's going to help dramatically. But I will say, if imagine if you didn't have insurance and all, and you, you're in a standard class Guy takes you for a takedown and I'm not trying to throw this number to make him feel bad. If he's listening to this episode, it's just, I'm just trying to explain to you guys what I consider to be a minor injury turned out to be something much more larger for me. And again, it goes through my head. Did I do something wrong? Is this just an absolute fluke accident? You know, did he do something wrong? What did he do? Right. What did I do? Right. You know? And cause like even during that, that day, I remember in class, the way he was working on the takedowns with me, I thought I was going to bust his knee in half because the way that it was positioned. And I kept telling him, I was like, hey, be careful for your leg. Like the way that your leg is positioned, I feel like if I landed wrong on you, I'm going to snap your leg in half right at the knee. Yeah. Like you have to protect yourself. You have to be careful yeah. about it. And it's the same thing, you know, to me, it was like, I kept trying to think through how did my hand end up in this position? right vertically with my basically with my thumb up and his entire hip basically his hip joint just falling right onto my so i'll I'll explain crushing my hand um when Mm -hmm. some the way he was setting up the takedown like i said was technically correct what happened was is you were trying to stop the takedown from happening instead of going with the takedown and so you you were literally Mm. trying to grip him and brace him back. So he's getting this takedown. You're trying to get your hands like clasped around him so he can't do it and pushing back. And when you fall, when something like that happens to me, I automatically let go and I slap the mat. So Mm. instead of defensively falling, you tried to create an offensive structure while you were falling. And as a result of that, once you fell, the impact was right into your, into your hand from hip to hand. (laughs) So that, that's how it went down. That's why it happened. Um, 
But yeah, I think to to a lot of other people, like I said, the practicality of making sure that you are trying to avoid injury. And I think if I were to reflect on coach, what you just told me about why that happened, it's like, yeah, there's a level that I of inexperience that I don't have in that yeah. with the falling. And second, because of it's, yeah, it's experience. It's like, I've learned from that. And now I know that once this is all healed and good to go again, what am I going to be focusing on when we're doing takedowns is it's not even as much as I'm going to be learning the takedown It's also saying very cognizant of, you know what, go yep. with it. Stop. You know, there's no point in being offense or in a sense, defensively offensive yep. during a takedown. If you're already halfway there trying to stop it because I'm already, I'm, I'm already going to go down with them anyway. So learning to then slap the mat. And it's interesting because, yeah, I've always trained, you know, I've done Hapkido as well, you know, and my minimal judo experience in the sense of learning from, again, people just sprinkling in judo here and there, but not until I got to here where we're deliberately learning it of learning how to fall. And even, you know, my, our episode with yeah. Mike Torn, first thing about judo, you got to learn how to fall. Yes. Right. And, that is something that is what I, in, a, in essence, failed to do is because I didn't want to fall, which in my opinion would be a very natural instinct of I don't want to fall. So I'm going to fight against it. And now that has turned into an X thousands of dollars mistake. And, and, yeah, to, to and, your point, if, if you ever notice how I fall when somebody's taking my, me down, I make sure my arms are clear and I am slapping that mat and I am adjusting my body to make sure that I'm taking the impact in the proper place. Right. Um, so that you have to, this is critical. This is a great learning experience. It's critical that when you are mid takedown or whatever, you have to prepare yourself for the impact, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I think that to, uh, to, again, to further follow up on a couple other points that you brought up is, you know, Tap yes. often, tap often. And I think it's, especially if you're in class, no matter how much you want to improve in the sense of like, oh, you know, let, I'm going to take a standard jujitsu thing. So somebody gets you into an arm bar and next thing you know, you want to turn into them and you're going to start grabbing your own fist and pulling, trying to pull it back out. It's like, I just don't think there is enough space for your ego to not tap. It's just like you said before, it's because you, you, you screwed up somewhere else to get into that position anyway. So tap and try to do it again and not get into that position. Try to not get into that situation per se. I, I think, you know, and I, and I admit to that's something that I used to do is like, I used to think I can muscle my way out of things. I used to think that I can, you know, just be defensive. I can take the pain. I can take, you know, I'm super flexible. I can do this. I can do that. But it's just not yeah. worth it, you know, and, you know, call me whether or not I'm getting old at this point, but it's just that it's just not worth the injuries, even in competition. I just don't even think it's worth it for the sake of, I mean, unless you're literally a professional fighter who is getting paid to do this day in and day out, which bless their hearts for entertaining us. But man, do I feel sorry? Like you look at all the damage that they have to deal with later in life. You know, it's, it's, it's a miracle to me. Like even George St. Pierre is in the condition that he's in after like, you see some of his brutal fights and the, the way his head looks at the end of it. You're like, dude, how do you even, 
how do you even speak properly at this point? And then I think of Muhammad Ali with his Parkinson's and all this. Is it hereditary? Was it something genetic or is it because of how many times he got hit in the head? Yeah. Yeah. You know? And I remember that people always saying, oh, you do MMA and striking, you just get dumber because you get hit in the head so much and that jujitsu only makes you smarter. Uh-huh. I'm like, ah, cutting, blo- cutting blood flow it's to the horrible. brain is not. They, they, they say <laughs> that the, the, the increased risk of stroke and different types of brain injuries you can have if you're cutting off your blood flow with a choke, like these types of carotid chokes, is incredibly dangerous. It can kill you. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is why I tell everybody if if you if it's it's you should be catch and release or you just you let it go or you tap immediately stop trying to fight out of a freaking submission. When you have the submission set, if the submission is set properly, this should not be an escape. The escape is the tap. Okay? This is going to help you prevent injuries. If somebody has an armbar locked in, stop trying to escape the freaking armbar. Tap Footlock, tap, choke, tap. A lot of these injuries are prevented by reducing ego and tapping. Tap early, tap often. If you're in a threatening position, you're compromised, your ribs are getting crushed, you can't breathe. Do you have the ability to maneuver out? Yes, but maybe you're in a position where you're in one of what the positions we call panic positions where you're not skilled enough yet. Maybe you need to learn more about how you got into that position to begin with. Sit down and talk to your coach. How can I avoid getting into that position to begin with? Start over. Tap. Have my crew tap all the time. If you don't like the position, tap. I don't want you to waste time being brutalized in a position that you 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 keep getting yourself into because you have not upskilled the transitions. And you have not upskilled the previous position. You got into an inferior position because you lost the hand fight, period. This is what it is. Does that make sense, Ed? Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it really is. I, I, I'm going to harp on this one. I really do think it's a lot of ego that plays into it more than it does just physical or skill yeah. abilities. And yes, I agree with you that, you know, again, with me, it's for as little and as least often as like attend class, <laughs> it's like the, the, the pressure positions or the panic positions are real. And we've talked about this on the show before. And especially from my point of view of, Especially when you can't breathe. If you're an easy way to think of it is if you get smothered, you can't properly get a full breath of air because someone's either putting pressure onto your uh, into your diaphragm, your lungs, and or are is is covering up your airway partially or completely. It will the lack of oxygen will put will put you into a panic, especially as inexperienced white belts. We're gonna get into that very frequently especially when you go up against you know blue belts purple belts and like you said black belts tend to run away from the white belts because it's true if you guys if you guys ever go to a a grappling tournament or a jiu-jitsu tournament especially the most entertaining fights are the beginner oh, fights right the white yeah. belt fights because they just they'll do they'll do anything yeah, and everything shit they're the ones that are <laughs> flying around left and right. like wow and, the mo- and then you watch the black belt ones and it's just like 
very conservative, which yeah. again actually feeds into why catch wrestling became yeah. pro wrestling because you have two highly skilled people and it's like they're locked in and they're waiting for subtle, subtle. movements. And that hours. could take That's hours. What, what happened? People are watching <laughs> one match, it's three hours long, their butts hurt. Especially you think like yeah. the you know, the late what is that, late nineteenth century, early twentieth century, you're on these wooden planks. Yeah, twenty, thirty thousand yep. other people. There's no air conditioning, right? I don't know what kind of drinks or snacks you have. Who knows where the toilets are? And you're sitting there going, "God, my ass hurts," and these people next to me stink. Well, this match is entertaining. It's pretty good, but it's kind of long winded. You know, these guys are in this wrestling positions for this long, and then the guys are like, "Fuck it, we got to make money." Let's shorten the match. Yeah. <laughs> you win tonight. I'll win tomorrow night. We'll do it in the next city. We'll cut this down to 15 minutes and go away with more cheddar in the pocket. That's what they did. They had to. So start to put, yeah, then put that into the perspective of jujitsu, right? It's, it's the Brazilian same thing now with right? BJJ. You know, there, I'm not going to name names, but there was already a controversy. You know, I've talked to Marcel Lozado about this a few times. There have been numerous worked matches in ADCC over the years. Numerous mm. work matches. There's worked matches all the time in these jujitsu competitions. And then there's also agreed upon outcomes. You know, okay, you, you, you win. Okay, you win. Or they're saying something to each other. Or they say, okay, well, we're just going to go out there. We're not going to actually wrestle each other. And we'll just both raise our hands. So there's, there's worked matches. We already know that there's worked matches in, in Japan for years and years and years. So this is not new. This is not like... Oh, it just worked in the WWE or before WWE, old pro wrestling, carny wrestling, you know, that came after catch. This is a real thing. It's just that they did a really good job of commercializing it's, it. You know, so entertainment, absolutely. right? You know, it's just like what people don't realize a lot of times on our on our channel, I don't show a lot of moves on the channel, on uh, the PCI channel. There's a reason why. I know people have been asking me to show more stuff, but the reason why I don't is just like, there's certain things that I want you to come and experience for yourself. And some of the stuff I do is quite violent and it's painful. And I don't want a bunch of newbies, white belts trying to do the shit that I teach without me training them. It's dangerous. Mm -hmm. Oh, you want a guard pass? I can show you a basic guard pass, but do you know how many thousands of guard passes there already are on Instagram? You'll find some jackass white belt or blue belt that'll be like, hey, look at my little whirly twirly guard pass. Great. Good for you. But a lot of the stuff that I show is incredibly painful because it's, you know, catch based. And I'm not saying it's better or worse than anything else, but it's 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 in a sense where I think there's a certain responsibility that I have to the grappling community to if I'm going to demonstrate something, I need to show you how to protect yourself, protect your partner when you do it, so that if you're shin riding them a particular way, you're not just snapping and breaking the bone right off the bat. Okay, that's that's uh, that's how I think about it. That's what's really important to me. But I will say this: mm -hmm. when I am showing live videos, sometimes we'll put the live stream up and I'll save it. Sometimes Instagram doesn't like it and they won't let me save it. But there's a distance between where I'm recording and what we're doing. And what people don't realize is I'm talking through this to the students the whole time. So they see, oh, this is going on, this is going on, and there's, ah, they're kicking coach's ass or this and that, anything. 
I'm like, I don't think you realize I'm talking to them the whole time, telling them what to do. I'm coaching them through. It's called a class. Yeah, so like <laughs> I'm coaching them through. But the reason why I'm saying this is just like, if I just put some music in the background, right? And I turned up the music. You would have no idea. There's a full conversation going on and you could think it's a real fight. Mm-hmm. It's not a real fight. So the reason why I'm saying this is because like, yeah, technically it's a worked match. Yes. This person choked me. This person got my arm here. Or this person leg locked me. Yes. But do you realize there was like a whole setup to it? And I'm what literally talking them in the middle of the takedown. I'm talking into their ear saying, do this, do this, do this, go. Okay. Now go this Then Grab the foot. When you roll, do this, put your foot in the hip here. So I'm walking, I'm talking, we're having a conversation the whole time. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's true. It's true. So, um, that's something that I think people don't realize, but it, it just gets into the, 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 the facts of, I also, there's a, also a reason why I do this, why I'm talking to the students while I'm, I'm rolling with them. I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to fucking get hurt. Pardon mm-hmm. my language. The only way I can insure or, or, or have a higher insurance rate that I don't get hurt is if I tell them what to do while they're attacking me. There it mm-hmm. is. There's one of my secrets. I w- talk through the role because I need to keep my body alive. I'm on the mat six days a week, sometimes seven days a week. Okay. I cannot afford to lose time off the mat because somebody fucked me up. Right. Out of negligence because their body doesn't work right yet. So what do I have to do? I have to talk Mm -hmm. to them through the training. Okay. Move there. Move your left hip. Okay. Do this. Circle that out. Go. Okay. Now go put your hand here. I have to, this is, this is helps me so I don't get hurt. If they're doing a takedown. Okay. Grab lower on the ribs. Great. Okay. Push harder, twist, turn. I already know what's happening then. I can prepare myself to slap the mat properly. <clears throat> right? So it's it's very yeah. important yeah. To, to have these conversations for me when I'm training with people because I have to I have to stay safe. That's how I look at it. I have to stay safe. So I have to talk to everybody while I'm rolling. But I think it's also a really good way for anybody to train. Is and I know that you do this as part of we do this as part of PCI's curriculum. Is I don't know if I'm giving away a secret, but really it's more or less like we teach it back. Yes. We're we're in a, we're teaching the technique yeah. back. And so if if you guys are in class, you know, obviously if you're not at PCI, well, we would hope you're with us. But <laughs> if is that as you guys are practicing with your training partner is just talk through it literally yeah. like an Ikea manual or Lego directions is one step yeah. at a time. So it's like, Hey, I'm going to put my arm here. Okay. Then this is what's going to happen next. And I'm going to go here one. You're, I mean, one, you're really solidifying what you're learning, right? Two, you're taking advantage of the, you know, for most schools, the minimal amount of time that you get for drilling, but three, most importantly, you're not you're you're helping prevent getting hurt or your training partner getting hurt just when you guys are learning things, right? Because you know, again, nothing against anybody at, at PCI or you know my, the my training partner for that day, but you know, I don't know if you recall, coach, but I kept saying, "Hey, slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down," because it's like we don't have, especially when we're just learning, it's like you don't have to go fast. Yes. 
there are certain techniques that I believe uh, and that I know that you've taught me where a bit of momentum is required to be able to properly and smoothly execute. Mm -hmm. However, during static drilling, it's kind of like if you do go step by step by step and no matter how long it takes, speed is, I think speed is only truly an element that's needed when it is needed, right? It's not something that you have to have immediately. It's something that will develop. And it's kind of like, you know, if I were to learn to play guitar today or even learning the bagpipes, right? I can only play so many notes so quickly, but the more often I do it, the more I'm able to then speed things up because I've developed whether you call it muscle memory, whether you call it, you know, your brain synapses are firing better because you've done it before repetitive motion, whatever it is. It's that take your time. Don't get hurt. It's not worth getting hurt. It really is not worth getting hurt. Don't let your ego get in the way. Don't hurt your training partners and training partners. Don't hurt your other training partners and especially don't hurt yourselves. It can get expensive. It can get become detrimental. I mean, even emotionally, like I'll be very honest. Like I haven't gone under the blade or I haven't been put to sleep. I've only been put to sleep once for a, uh, for a procedure. And I actually kind of started to wake up at the end of it. And I, I felt this, the procedure oh, happening. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't fun. Right. Yeah. It wasn't fun. And so uh, there's a sense of fear yeah. in me, right. Going into this, like, dude, what if I wake up and my hands completely split no. wide open? What the heck you is that going to feel like? You know, what if I don't wake up from the anesthesia? Oh. I'm just saying like, hypothetically, it's like these, these types of things just kind of run through my head. It's not worth that kind no. of stress. Be careful guys. And when you guys are on the mats, like you're there to learn, you're there to train, you're there to grow. Injuries is yes, it's going to be a part of the experience, but it's not, it's not something that we're looking for. It's not, I don't even know if it's a, it's, I wouldn't even consider it a badge of honor. I think some people have that. It's like, oh yeah, I injured this and I injured that and I injured, oh, right? It's like, no, it's not worth it. Now, now look at you, you look like, you know, what the hunchback of Notre yeah. Dame. And you got these guys that are like <laughs> 27 around. years old and their fingers are all arthritic and giant knuckles and everything yeah. crazy. I can understand it like, you know, like, like with Robert Drysdale and Jay Pages, like I'm not saying they're old, but they are experienced enough to say my hands are done. So I have to, my jujitsu changes because of that. It's the same thing with you coach, right? I'm older than both of them. Your neck is done. (laughs) (laughs) Your neck is done. And so you train and you teach in a specific way in order to, because now we're focused on longevity. Even for me, it's like this thumb injury just is a huge wake up call. Like I got to be careful about how, you know, how I'm, how, how I am approaching my training. And so, you know, cause why it's not like I, I don't show up to class and like start taping my fingers. Well, X pattern this. And that's Chris Howder. Finger. He looks like, like no. the fucking mummy, dude. The minute you get on the mat with Howder, <laughs> he looks like the mummy. Everything's taped, but you know, he's, he's beaten up too. Um, yeah. so I have so, a homework I, assignment for you. Yeah. In the next before your surgery, okay. you're you're probably too young to know this band, but whatever. There was a band in the seventies and eighties called Twisted Sister. Okay, no, I've heard of so them. So you need to listen to the song Under the Blade. Under the Blade is about okay. the guitar player he had he was going in for surgery and he was all freaked out. So he wrote the song about, you know, his experience, you know, and his panic attacks he was having pre surgery. So Everybody mm-hmm. listen to Twisted Sister Under the Blades. Awesome fucking tune. Twisted Sister was an awesome band back in the day. And uh yeah, they were great. And uh I admire uh 
them a lot. They're cool guys. And uh, I know J.J. French, so um, the guy that wrote the song. So shout out to J.J. French. <laughs> Great song, dude. Uh, love it. Um, so I did want to address a question that uh, a listener yes. had uh, named Maverick, because a lot of times we get these questions and sometimes I, I forget to answer them. So I was like, I said to Ed, dude, you got to keep me on task here. We got to answer the question. So I don't remember. I don't know exactly when this question was asked, but I'm getting to it. Maverick said, okay, exceptional episode. Mr. Roig, what is your opinion on a hip punch to defend a double leg takedown? Well, it just so happens, Maverick, that that's my favorite way to defend a double leg takedown is the hip punch. So um, if you guys don't know what that means, I'll try and explain it. And uh, what we're actually thinking of doing, I mentioned this to Ed. If I didn't mention this to Ed, it was in my mind, but this is what I plan on doing. Because we don't have a um, an official youtube channel yet because we don't video we don't video record Mm -hmm. our podcast even though we can see each other we don't post it what we're going to be doing is i'm going to be doing little clips we're going to do level up grappling youtube clips so when we have questions and question and answer and we're going over fights and stuff like that we're actually going to be putting it on youtube and that's going to be happening very soon after ed gets his surgery done and all that so that I can start explaining the questions that you guys have and I can actually put it into um, a video format, kind of like a little mini instructional. So you can kind of see a little bit of what we're talking about and what we're doing. So the hip punch and the double leg takedown, a lot of times what happens in these double leg takedowns, how are MMA people trained to do a defense? It's just a giant sprawl. Everybody's kicking their legs back and you're trying to fall on top of the opponent. Right. You fall on their back and their arms are like wrapped around their waist or something. It's like all wacky. So to me, one of the most effective and violent ways to defend a double leg takedown to get them to stop doing it. Well, number one, if you want them to stop doing it, keep your hips in closer. They're hitting a double leg on you because you're giving too much distance. Okay, so stop doing that. Number two, if they start to come in on that double leg, what you're going to do is your hip you're going to throw your hip bone in between their shoulder blade and their ear. It's called a hip punch. So I want that hip bone thrown right in there. So you, like you can literally knock somebody out from doing this. It sounds it's painful. fun as hell. I love it. I love doing it. <laughs> so it really gets people to stop in their tracks. So basically what I want to do is I'm aiming for that little pocket. Everybody has this pocket between the ear and the shoulder blade or the the trapezius, right? So in this section here, it kind of also hits at the carotid artery and that kind of the side of the brainstem. You can knock somebody out and it is quite the deterrent for somebody coming in, trying to come in on your legs, constantly doing what in catch wrestling used to be called a leg dive. The reason why it was called a leg dive, see, I'm kind of, transitioning here a little bit because i want you guys to have a little bit of historical education before it was called a double leg takedown it was called a leg dive and that was considered for weaker guys that didn't know upper body throws and they didn't have upper body control so in the old wrestling days Hmm. the old old wrestling days you know prior to the 20th century the mark of real good grapplers 
was how much upper body control you had to throw these people and to take them down. Okay. doesn't matter if it's snap down, what kind of throw you're doing, salto, wizard, whatever, uh, half ouch. Um, so when guys would get frustrated and they couldn't get underhooks, they couldn't get a tight overhook to throw and, and they couldn't grapple with their upper body. It was called a leg dive. They would dive for the legs because it was considered like a hail Mary pass in football or the three, the three point shot at the half court from basketball. Right. So it's a move mm-hmm. of last resort. So you have people over time now that have gotten really, really good with, um, the leg dive or the double leg takedown, you know, the, probably the most prolific double legger that I, I can think of currently is Jordan Burroughs, right? That guy can shoot from one end of the mat to the other, like a Panther. He's the one guy that does it. He's a one trick pony. This is what he does. And, uh, so how would you stop a Jordan Burroughs? Well, number one, don't give him that much space. Number two, if he's coming down like that, you need to be throwing your hip right into that side of his head there. It's called a hip punch. And so I find it to be very effective. It's very fun. Um, It's a timing thing, though. So you want to practice this on a stability ball, how we're driving the hip. You want to practice it on a stability ball. I actually have drills for this at the gym that we do where we're throwing the ball to the wall and we're hip punching the stability ball into the wall over and over and over again. So you get a tight hip punch. So then if somebody comes in on you, boom, you hit them hard. Let them see stars. You have to punish them for their actions. Always the rules of catch wrestling. Okay. You punish the opponent opponent for their reaction. Action or reaction, punish them so that they don't do it again. Or if they do it again, they know what's coming. More pain. So that's basically what it is. But again, this is something you want to be very careful so you don't hurt your opponent, knock them out, or you know, create some kind of stress fracture in their neck and then they can't train for like six months. So we don't want to do that either. We want to balance guys, balance, (laughs) drill this with a stability ball in a wall. Okay. And we're going to make videos on it. Don't worry. I'm going to be making videos on stuff and it'll be fun when I do some of these demo videos. And if I do it on Ed, you'll hear him scream because he has a really funny scream. He's like, ha ha ha. I don't tap. I scream. I squeal. I'm like, no, he has this funny scream. It was like, uh, you know, rest, rest in peace, Pee Wee Herman. But it's kind of like a, a couple octaves down from Pee Wee Herman scream. <laughs> it's really funny. I enjoy it thoroughly. Thanks. Anyways, so guys, keep in mind, PCI long distance program is going on. So distance learning does work if it's done correctly. Not only do you, do you get our monthly curriculum. So it's every month you get the curriculum of what we're doing in class. You're doing the same thing. You're participating. You actually get coaching calls with me every month. This is very, very important. This is not a kind of, um, kind of band in a box program where it's just like one size fits all. When we do the coaching calls, it's stuff that are questions that come up with the students that are tailored to you so that you can say, Hey, I'm doing this. What am I doing here? It's a lot of feedback, a lot of, um, constructive growth, right? So that you will actually get better. This isn't like I'm going to send you a thousand videos and then off you go and have a nice life. Okay. This is something with a real person, me, where you're going to get a lot of attention 
and you will be able to digest the material. I don't teach things that are more than like three or four steps. I try to teach things that are efficient and dominating one way or the other, either from the bottom or the top position. I teach what you need to learn, not what's necessarily fun to learn. Big, big difference. So we're doing a 40% off sale right now. So hit me up at PCI Jiu-Jitsu on Instagram. You can also hit us up on Level Up Grappling and you get the information there as well. On Instagram, sanablesports.com forward slash PCI Jiu-Jitsu. Make sure you have that code PCI Jiu-Jitsu in your discount code on checkout for 10% off every single time you purchase on Sanable Sports. We are brand ambassadors for Sanable Sports. Ed, anything else, sir? No, I think, um, like I said, my, 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 for as much as <laughs> I'm getting ready for the surgery, my brain's kind of, I got to go listen to this twist. Under the blade, song. baby, under the but, blade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but actually, uh, one, one other announcement is for those who are local here in Orange County, like I said, we are looking for 10 new people to go through kind of our or really what coach Brian and I have been working on together this new experimental way of teaching the PCI hybrid grappling system to to call it that um and so we are looking for 10 case studies so whether you are experienced or have no experience we are inviting you to come out for a 6 month program um please again message PCI Jiu Jitsu on Instagram where you can do us level up grappling or level up grappling actually level up underscore grappling sorry and um, we'd be happy to get you those details and yeah other than that i will be asleep tomorrow hopefully i won't turn into a viral Mm. video get a couple pins placed in and then be back on the mats to to say hello to everyone so because he's gonna wrap uh, his hand and actually do what he needs to do (laughs) he's no excuses i'm not letting you get out of this I yeah I know <laughs> I still have mats at I the know. house in yes, the garage right. so technically speaking coach can come over whenever he wants just drag me into the garage slam me down and say all right let's yeah, go I'll do that too actually <laughs> but, I'll do that too that's a good idea so but um yeah no thank you guys again for all your support thanks for listening to the episode if you've made it this far man you're a trooper and you guys are awesome for for sticking it with us we appreciate it. We appreciate you giving us your valuable time and hope, uh, and, and that, you know, we've been a value into your training. So I think the one thing to take away from here, don't get injured. Yeah. It's not worth it. Keep your ego at the door. No, absolutely. <laughs> so, all right, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Have a good one.